big data has gotten to big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Andrew Harder, Senior Paid Media Manager and WebEx Events at Cisco, has a chat with AJ and Vincent about the different experiences of marketing between B2B and B2C audiences, and the importance of becoming a well-rounded marketer. AJ has a busy week, and San Antonio rolls out the red carpet for Vincent. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. Extra happy today for a variety of reasons. Extra happy? What are you, crazy? This guy's always happy. True, very true, but even extra happy today. A variety of reasons. A variety of reasons. We'll get to those in a moment. I'd like to create a little suspense here. But before we get to the suspense, let me just talk about Marketing Stir. You know us if it's the first time listening. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend, tell a colleague. And let's talk about Starista real quick. You're probably wondering the company behind this amazing podcast. We are Starista. We're a marketing technology company. We own our own business to business data, business consumer data. We then own our own technology to help push out to that data for customer acquisition. Email, we own our own DSP. So display, connected TV, OTT, email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave you my email address to all of our listeners. The other thing I'm confident about, and one of the reasons I'm extremely happy, I just got to see in person. And you know, I always get extra happy when I get to see our CEO and co-host in person. He was here in New York. I was there in San Antonio. Big holiday extravaganza. Summits were hosted. We'll talk about those in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta, what's going on? Hey, Vincent. Yeah, it was quite the week we had there. So I am uh, still catching up on a little bit of rest. Had a pretty busy Saturday as well. So it might take this week to recover from our summit and holiday parties. Absolutely. I, I actually just laid low this weekend. I had enough fun and action in San Antonio. They always roll out the red carpet for me when I'm there. This is what happened. Let's recap to the audience what happened, AJ. So San Antonio Business Journal, we're, you know, we're based in San Antonio. I'm, of course, in New York, but headquarters are in San Antonio. We receive the, one of the top awards. We were the top uh, we were a top 10, so we were sixth overall for growth in all of San Antonio uh, in, in our category, which was the higher of the, the revenue growth. That was amazing. I got to see that. Uh, you know, it was great. I, I'd, never been, I'd never been to an award show where there were people in the audience with cowboy hats. I got to tell you, that's a first for me, AJ. I have never been. Uh, a lot of firsts for me. Also, the first time I was in a Ford F-150 truck. Uh, one of our coworkers drove me around and I said, I've never been in a truck this size. He says, really? I said, yeah, true story. But talk about the SAPB, uh, you know, uh, San Antonio Business Journal, SABJ, uh, the awards. Tell us a little bit about those. 
There you go. Yeah, so you know, business journals, unlike most publications, uh, I think nationwide have done pretty well in uh, surviving through the demise of newspapers. And this is uh, they host about ten premier award events throughout the year. This one is the most objective, based uh, entirely on revenue growth. And uh, so this one, this one is a fun one. There's not really any subjective judgments being made. And uh, we did uh, pretty well. It's a great place to network and also meet other city leaders. And uh, I have to say there was another first. I have never seen uh, samosas in a uh, American uh, Texas party, I should say, before. So that's, uh, that, that, that's pretty cool. I assume they did it for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, they uh, they did it for you. They were delicious, and it was it was a great night. And then the next day is uh, was our third annual Starista Summit, another great event, probably the most seamless. A lot of times, there's a lot of behind the scenes things where me as the host are juggling, like, okay, this guest came in early, this guest this guest is not here yet, but it was seamless. I think we're doing well. I was uh, honored to have hosted it great content we you know worked with respite care is the the nonprofit we worked with this year we had diamond dallas page the former wrestler uh, as a keynote speaker uh you know other amazing people on there it was uh, it was great you know and uh i kicked it off or handed it over to you it was great aj another great one yeah Vincent, definitely uh always uh steps forward some may say he even lives for these events and i love definitely, it definitely did not disappoint this year either uh, something that came out of pandemic that was good for us was this concept of summit which includes all of our staff not just the uh, us-based staff that we usually bring them all together in the office but uh, so yeah it's become a part of the starista tradition born out of the pandemic but to continue forever yeah, exactly. Two things born out of the pandemic, I think, is this amazing podcast we do here and also the summit. And, and that keeps getting better and better. So those were some of the reasons, right? The one reason I was happy. Let's talk about the other reason I'm happy. I'm happy about this next guest, right? Because there's this is a there's a first for at least me on the podcast, right? So this is the first where we're featuring someone who we have discovered is also one of my fraternity brothers. We didn't go to the same school. We went in completely different states. This gentleman is younger than I am, so we would not have crossed over, but we discovered we we're in the same fraternal organization, Sigma Phi Epsilon. Shout out to Sigma Phi Epsilon. So that's why I knew right off the bat we were going to hit it off, AJ, when I first started talking to him. And we're so happy. Also, you know, just the company he represents, WebEx Events at Cisco, two amazing different you know organizations within so we are very happy let's do a warm marketing stir welcome to the senior paid media manager webex events at cisco my new friend and fraternity brother andrew harder what's going on andrew hi vincent hey aj thanks for having me happy to have you it's uh yeah we discovered that i think we're looking uh, and we're like fraternity brothers say gap it's uh 
you know, you went to a chapter in Indiana, uh, a school in Indiana, right? And uh, I went to little SUNY Oswego upstate New York, New York Pi chapter, which is no longer there, actually. A few years after I left being president of that chapter, um, it folded because of lack of leadership. You see, AJ, what happens when I'm not there anymore? It crumbles, but still fraternity brother through and through. So, yeah, what school did you go to, Andrew? Yeah, I went to Indiana University and loved it so much. I'm still living in the same town um, almost 10 years later. So, um, yeah, I I went as I graduated in 2014. So um, been a while, but yeah, it was great school, great experience. It is funny. I don't obviously run into people nearly as much just with the virtual work environment. But it was funny when we first met, you mentioned that. And I was like, oh, there we go. That's it. As in, and now we're friends for life. That's a brothers right. for life, right? That's how it works, AJ. That's how it works. But so we're so happy to have Andrew here. I'm so happy of all the great work he's doing there. But Andrew, tell us about, so senior paid media manager, WebEx events, you know, in, in, in Cisco. Talk about the WebEx and Cisco connection there. Talk to us about your role within the organization. Yeah, so, I mean, paid media can mean different things to different people. So um, just... Really simple, what I do is manage all of our paid media budget, which for us is primarily paid search, paid social. Um, we do some ABM display, gets into some of your world a bit more. Um, haven't done any connected TV or out of home yet. So, you know, maybe there'll be some big campaign in the future. We, we get to partner on, who knows? Um, but yeah, so I, and I joined in April of 2021. So been um, a little over a year and a half, um, come from agency background. I think I can dive more into that later but yeah i and i first joined socio um, which is now webex events so it was not a part of cisco so i went through that um that mer the acquisition process uh which has definitely been a journey but thankfully still a part of the the company and um yeah that's awesome and uh and for you like we always like to ask this question uh you know you haven't been out of college uh, you know, that long, you know, certainly uh, I've been out a lot longer than you, but it's, uh, you know, how did you get into marketing, Andrew? Is, is it something you studied at, uh, you know, Indiana University or you just kind of after school? Yeah, no, I, I do love when I get this question because I think like most people, I, you know, I didn't go to school for B2B marketing. I don't think that exists, <laughs> nor probably should it because it changes so, so drastically. Um but I had a few just kind of random jobs, like sales, recruiting jobs out of, out of college. And then um, was at a point where I got married right out of undergrad and my wife was in grad school. The, the place I was working at shut down, needed to find a job. So I literally just took the first job, which actually did come through. I didn't think of it this earlier, but it was through a fraternity brother connection in, in Bloomington where I live. But it was for a small um, computer software company. Um, there was like 30 people um, there. So really, really small. And I'm, I'm serious, this might sound like a joke, but I did sales, marketing, like HR and recruiting. So it was like literally <laughs> everything. So um, also means I did not get very deep or have a, a great um, skill set in any of those things because I was doing so many different things. Um, but I was thankful for that job because I did, I, you know, I did the cold calling, I did um, the sales follow-ups and sales demos. So it did, there, there's so much benefit to having that background doing what I do now um, in marketing, but um, I knew that I wanted some um, deeper skill set. And I honestly, I don't like sales. Um, I love people, but I don't like selling things to people. So marketing can kind of hang in the backdrop and do that more so through different means. Um, 
but so I, there was a local PPC agency um, and I, there was an opportunity there just to start entry level. So I knew nothing about, even though I was, I had some digital marketing background, didn't know anything about paid media, paid advertising, Google ads, LinkedIn, Facebook ads, none of those things. And so really um, started just doing like the basic tasks for like account managers at the time, and then worked my way up to managing my own accounts. And then before I left, my largest client was um, in the B2B like ed tech space. And I really enjoyed working um, and with their team. Um, and I also knew at that time that I wanted to go in-house at some point um, because you, the good thing about agencies is you get a ton of experience, exposure to different industries, things like that. But I wanted to go deeper and be really like full end-to-end, -end, like in the CRM, like working closely with the sales and customer team and all those things. And um, I knew I needed an in-house experience to get that. So that's when I joined Socio. Now WebEx events in, in April of 21. So Andrew, looks like you went through an acquisition pretty early in your career. So tell us a little bit about how that all worked out and how your life changed and how your role changed with the acquisition. Yeah, and you're right. It did happen very fast. There was no, my my man, my hiring manager and boss at the time had no idea, but um, I think it was like four months after I started was when the acquisition like was finalized. And so, um, yeah, July of, of that year. So it was uh, kind of a, a surprise and I had no idea. I also intentionally chose, you know, kind of like series A, it wasn't like a startup startup. Um, it was over a hundred people at that time and it had, um, decent like revenue growth. Um, but I wanted to be a part of that, you know, smaller SaaS org, um, and certainly did not anticipate, you know, being a part of like a fortune 100 company like Cisco that early on. So it did, my, my role, thankfully, has kind of stayed the same. Like there's certainly aspects that are a bit different. Um, just there's more we joke that, you know, any type of big company, it's kind of like working for the government. There's just more red tape and just, you know, approvals and things like that. You can't move as fast all the time. Uh, you know, on the flip side, certainly more resources, more opportunities being at a large company. And um, even right now, just thankful I'm a part of that with all of the um, changes going on and kind of the macro landscape right now in the SaaS world. So um, yeah, our team has grown a lot as well. Um, I was the fourth marketer hired. There was another um, content person hired with me at the same time. And now we're a team of 20. So um, seeing um, a lot of growth into like hiring out like a full content team, events team, um, being like in the partner e ecosystem in Cisco, like there's just so many layers to marketing that I didn't really realize until our team grew. So I think Part, if anything has changed in my role, it's more so partnering more with those other like cross-functional marketing departments and seeing how we can help each other and work together. And um, there's just a lot of synergy that can happen when you take advantage of that and, and work together. Then with the starting a new job in the pandemic and uh, I, I guess WebEx events lends itself to being able to thrive in a pandemic given the nature of the product. So what, how has the pandemic affected you and the company? Yeah, so um, like super quick backstory. Socio was like in-person only when the pandemic hit. So, and I, I wasn't at Socio yet, but so, I mean, they they had to pivot fast otherwise they were gonna sink. So they did, like the whole team was amazing. They pivoted to like a virtual product in like three months or something crazy. And we're really one of the first, to, I mean, now there's just a ton of the, 
Um, if you look, go to G2 or some, you know, software review site, there's a ton of like virtual event platforms. And um, now like the pendulum swung more again to in-person, but they pivoted to um, virtual, you know, for, you know, all of like the pandemic that was super critical. But then in the last year, you know, we've seen more and it's funny, like hearing congrats on the awards, by the way, you, you all won, but hearing you talk about like the summit, like those types of thing, like those in-person experiences, um, a lot of people are realizing, you know, regardless of industry sector, whether it's internal, external, like there's, you just simply can't replicate everything, obviously with a, a virtual event, like with all the benefits you get with in-person. So um, being able to pivot to virtual, but then during the pandemic, um, being able to build out like a full kind of hybrid solution. So whether you're wanting full virtual or still want full in-person once um, companies went back to in-person, or if you want something in between, um, which is basically two different events because you still need virtual and in-person tech and components to that. So I think coming like out of the pandemic and where the landscape sits now is there's a huge need for um, a, a variety of type like event formats. So um, yeah, hope, hope that made sense. Yeah, no, per perfectly. I think a lot of people still want, you know, the, there's the ease of use and being able to virtual event and like, oh yeah, I don't know if I could go out to, I don't have time to go out to Arizona for this conference, but I'm glad there's a virtual use, but there is nothing like, I think in person, it just seeing people and seeing my colleagues and, uh, you know, going to events in person have been great. I think a lot of them now, they kind of do a hybrid, but also it, it's uh, smaller events. You know, we, we found ourselves here, Andrew at Strista kind of doing smaller events uh, in person, you know, regionally. But yeah, no, to totally makes sense. Andrew, talk to us about, you know, you mentioned your story there before, but, you know, why did you decide was, I know there was an acquisition involved there, but why did you decide to transition from like marketing agencies and pursue in-house marketing instead? And then thoughts on what you learned from both? Yeah, no, really great question. Um, so I enjoyed the aspects of agency. I'll start with that. Like I, I enjoyed varied experience because I did have B2B and B2C clients, but um, those are very different types of marketing. I would say like trying to pull, at least in my LinkedIn feed, I feel like I see people talking all the time about, and B2B needs to be more like B2C. I think that's true to a um, extent, of course, but I wanted to really focus on one thing and I enjoyed um, that B2B context and SaaS. I just kind of have a passion for that. Um, but I think I, I also knew that I just knew how to do like advertising in the platforms and I wanted to be more of like a um, well-rounded marketer, which, you know, that includes like content and like true, like copyright. And these are things that are like, take a lot of time to develop and are challenging while you're still doing like a full-time job. But I think something that I've been able to apply more to the paid social world is um, being able to kind of learn from like the content team, but then even just like doing simple things like talking to customers, talking to sales, hearing like what the pain points are and things that our main like customer profiles are interested in, like being able to develop the skills um, that I guess kind of cut through all the noise that advertising can, it, you know, it's a lot of noise. A lot of times people describe advertising that way and it's true. Um, so I think I just wanted to um, get good at that. But then I think I mentioned it before, like being more technical, like in a CRM understanding, like what's actually on the agency side, you don't always get to see what turns into revenue or what's actually you're reporting on the things you can like leads and clicks and all those things. And 
those of course are important, but I think I wanted to truly understand like what's actually driving like revenue and pipeline. Um, and that's, there, there are some agencies out there now. I think everyone has different experiences with different agencies. Some are really good at that and some are, are not as good at that. And so I wanted that in-house experience. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and I, I share your thoughts on, on B2B, me being in uh, B2B myself, I kind of um, gravitated that towards that in the last at least you know, six to eight years of my career. Andrew, you mentioned some of it before, but you know we do get into the nitty gritty here on the marketing stir about marketing tactics. Uh, talk to us about some channels that you're, you're that work for you, that you're in, that you're testing. Some that haven't worked for you in the past. Just love to know that. I know you said something about ABM, but I'd love for you to elaborate on those strategies. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I mean, this question is always important, but I think especially now because a lot of places marketing budgets are getting cut. And I, I, I know talking to just peers um, outside of, you know, my company, a lot of times it's the paid budget that gets cut pretty significantly. And so the whole, you know, kind of cliche I heard that I'm hearing thrown out around a lot is like doing um, more with less or at least hitting your goals with like less budget. Um, and so to answer your question, like, you know, I, I like to split it between like the demand capture, like which, paid is normally focused on like Google search. Like for us, we also are in like Captera, like re like paid review sites. Um, that's where we're like, there's demand out there. People need for us, like an event management platform, you know, a mobile event app, like badge, like all those different things, and, you know, just getting really good at, okay, what are the things that are relevant to us that we can service, but are also like producing revenue uh, at a sustainable rate, especially now, like efficiency is more important than ever. Um, so we, you know, I, I have like that demand capture budget that I'm optimizing on Google search, Bing, Calterra, but then like what I think is it's harder to prove. Um, and there's a, a lot of opinions and stuff out there. Um, and my opinions have changed a lot in the last year, even too, but on like the paid social side and, and even how like we're, we are running ABM, I can go to that in a second, the more like I people call it demand creation or like, I mean, demand gen, I, I see as like full end to end, like it's a whole thing. And like the, the beginning part of that, um, whether it's educating people, like there's a solution that exists. I think all event marketers and field marketing managers, primarily the people we're marketing to, they know like event tech exists. It's not for us. It's like creating the demand, like for um, an actual product that's going to be able to like really run your event well, like having that tech. So it's not, you know, we're sitting on a Zoom meeting right now you can't run like a, you know, a full scale, like 20,000 person event on zoom meetings. Like you can't do that. You, you could, I guess, I don't know how well that would work. Um, but I think, um, lost my train of thought for a second. So going back to the, like the demand creation, like paid social, like what we're running a lot right now and where we've kind of pivoted in the last, um, three to four months, we're doing, much tighter campaigns with sales. So we are running ABM campaigns, very common for B2B. Um, so we're really leaning on sales for those target accounts. Uh, we run a lot of stuff through LinkedIn, we do a little bit of Facebook. Um, but for us, like we've gotten, we've gotten really good at cutting down a lot of like live events that we do. That sounds like you guys do a lot of like those smaller, like virtual events or even in person to a degree. But a lot of times that content is gold for LinkedIn because you can cut it down uh, you can speak the really specific messaging, like for us, like, you know, 
how do you increase virtual engagement? Everyone's tired of virtual events, you know, like things like, like very tactical, specific things you can just put in someone's LinkedIn feed, you know, exactly who you're targeting. You're building some type of credibility with, okay, this company, they actually know like the, like why we need this not versus like, you know, X, Y, Z feature that every competitor kind of has, like where are we actually like solving some type of, of need for like event marketer at company X. So, um, yeah, we, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I go into. I'll stop there. Let me know, um, if there's anything specific, you want me to drill down into more. And it was a very comprehensive answer. Thank you for that. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of what personally makes you inspired and motivated. So I like to, I don't do this all the time, but I do try to like frame like how I'm working and what I'm working on, which to me is like how I'm inspired to work, like what's actually making that business impact. So going back to my earlier answer about kind of why shifting in-house, like I love making an impact on the overall business and um, people that work in paid do have somewhat of a unique spot in marketing where they can prove a lot of times like the actual value that's being created. But I like to go deeper than that a lot of times and just kind of like the platform metrics and show like over time, like what's the, what are we seeing? Like that MQL to SQL, right? Like stage one to stage two, like how are we like helping uh, accelerate that and like accelerating the whole like funnel, which is certainly a lot more than just what someone can do with paid channels. It's everything, even outside of marketing, I think customer team and sales, you know, play a huge role in that, of course. Um, so like, it's very motivating me to make that, that impact. And that's, what's been really um, unique about still, I work for, you know, a large company like Cisco, but I'm still working for WebEx events, Socio, where we're still like a smaller, like, company within like this large organization and we are a crucial part of their overall strategy and having like this very advanced complete suite for companies that can do everything from you know obviously we're the events piece but like the meetings and calling and devices that what like cisco is so well known for um so like that that purpose kind of fuels me it's it's not like maybe I shouldn't say this live on a podcast, but like, it's not like I wake up every day. Oh, I get to work for Cisco today. Like that thought doesn't really get through my mind. Um, it's more so like, and I get to work with this smaller team, um, like solving problems every day. So yeah. Great. And how do you decide to, or how do you keep yourself proactive rather than reactive when it comes to marketing? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think, the two most tangible ways for me is talking to sales and um, customers directly. So like what that looks like for me and what anyone can do, I think a lot of times it's easy to get just kind of pigeonholed and you work for marketing, you just kind of talk to your inner marketing team. But I have a few people I reach out to on the sales team. We, we talk regularly. I get feedback from them. Like I had a meeting a few weeks ago with um, these sales leaders, they pulled in a few other people and just asking them, I'm like, Hey, what are you guys hearing about virtual? Virtual is not really important right now. What's the import? Like just like little things that do feel like our strategy going forward, like for the next quarter. Uh, and then like customers, um, are, is, I, I wish I would have talked to customers directly years ago. Like I did not realize how it's like a secret weapon. I feel like, um, that if you take advantage of, Read, like asking how I did this was asked our customer team, Hey, who are like five, 10 customers I can talk to that won't be annoyed that marketing's reaching out to them. Like 
We're not, I'm not talking to them to make a case study. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just simply wanting to understand like what, how is like our platform solving their, um, their needs, but also like the sales process. Like, what was that like for them? Like, what are things like, what type of content do they care about? Like, where are they hanging out? Like, you know, we think we, we know, um, I certainly fall into, oh, I'm going to do this thing because I know like this is going to work. And then, you know, it doesn't work. Um, so talking to the actual customers themselves, I also have a unique, um, advantage like marketing and event software. We have event marketers on our team. So I talk to them. Um, and they're super helpful at giving me, um, ideas for content. Um, I take a, a ton of their video cut downs and use that. So, um, I would say the, the other thing too, is, um, just following other brands that are outside of our industry. Like there's a few different, um, B2B brands that is respect and I won't ever like purchase their software or like do anything with them. But I just, I like seeing different examples, um, Stored is one example. shout out store to anyone listening from Stored. I don't know if there is. I love like their, I, I just, I don't know exactly what their software does. It's like kind of like for logistics and like that type of thing, but I love like their marketing. It's so um, unique and creative and it does cut through the noise uh, in my LinkedIn feed. Like I do, it sticks out to me. So I think that's another thing that I do to be more proactive. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like the advice, Andrew. I like the way you you break it down there, and 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 you're you're in the trenches, right? You're in the trenches and, and on the paid media side. So again, we're offering some great advice to our to our listeners. So I'd love to continue with that. There, how can marketers and companies effectively make use of their paid media budgets? Any advice you can offer there? Yeah. Um... The disclaimer from the offset, obviously it depends, which is the most annoying answer, but it's so true. Like it, it certainly depends, but I would say in general, like what, how, what we've changed and going back to marketing budgets are getting cut, um, kind of regardless of, of what industry you're in right now, if that's the case, like for us, like, you know, most of our budget, I would say at the height of our things, like our, our paid search budget and like that demand capture, that was, you know, 75, 85% of our budget, majority of it. And it, it still is um because our budgets have gone down but there's even though something like to give a very specific example like you know there can be a campaign or a, a keyword in google that you know is turning out a ton of mqls marketing qualified leads like okay we're given sales opportunity but if you look and for us like we use hubspot to analyze this data like if you look down funnel there's not much if any like meetings being produced off of that keyword so this is very i'm just very specific example to make a point of you have to get very, very like analytical with that type of data because on paid search, like you, you do know for the most part, okay, like this person's coming through on this keyword over the course of time, you need um, different amounts of data, depending on like your, just your product and ACV and all those things. But for us, like we've been able to cut what looked like great keywords and campaigns and focus rather on like the campaigns that are actually driving pipeline and revenue for us. And, you know, we're looking back over a year um, which is so hard to do because, you know, last year, you know, the economy was looking great. There was no downward trends like there is now. So it's like, we don't expect to see the exact same, but still like you can see how, and this is, you know, any industry, especially the event industry, it's always changing, especially now with, okay, in-person, virtual hybrid, like what's happening. Um, we've gotten very tight and seen, you know, we put for the sake of a simple, simple example, a hundred dollars into this campaign, how much are we going to get out? Like, what's the return 
um, knowing like your sales cycle, how long should you go back? Like we do this more on a quarterly basis because we're not analyzing revenue that month because it takes time to turn into revenue. That's the um, paid search kind of demand capture side. I would say, and a lot of that is probably obvious to a lot of listeners, but what might not be as obvious potentially, on I would say on the more like demand creation side for us, like paid social strategy, it's changed a ton, like from that more traditional, just kind of lead gen, trying to get as many leads for lowest cost as possible. We still do some of, of lead gen. There's certainly still a time and a place for that. And it's, it's still effective to us at a, but at a much smaller part of our budget, we have shifted a lot more to um, running like those educational videos I was mentioning that are very specific, that are just um, getting at one core message. You know, we, we group the other thing that we've done piece of advice I'd give is really analyzing your CRM in terms of what job titles are in your opportunities and like close one or close loss stages. And cause there's a lot of obvious, you know, job title targeting typically is, is pretty obvious, you know, for us, we know, okay, event marketing managers, et cetera. But we did learn when we did this back in the summer, we pulled like the last year of all these job titles and we split it out into like four different ICPs. And then we created our campaigns that way. So we could see, okay, this um, ICP responds very differently to this piece of content. You know, for us, it's like, we're seeing is virtual more important in person, different things like that. And it kind of feeds as a content loop back to the content team and like what we're seeing. Um, like that's, that's huge. And I, I would say it's also okay to have smaller audiences. Like, you know, the, the platforms will tell you, oh, you need 50,000 people in an audience to like make this campaign successful. Like I would say, no, you don't, you don't. like, I'd rather advertise to 4,000 people that I know are actually in my mm -hmm. um, target audience and maybe see less volume, but a lot higher quality. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot there. Like, that's probably a whole podcast within itself. I'm happy to like dive deeper into some of those things. But it's been a huge mind shift for me because I came from that traditional agency background where it's like, no, I need to prove like leads and like with everything. But I've really trained, retrained myself to not think that way with like paid social. And um, and yeah, so hopefully that made sense. No, it definitely did. And I think a lot of, a lot of times we're, we're hearing that a lot more and more on the podcast, Andrew, and, and just talking to clients, frankly, and prospects where it, it's it's shifting like now they want a, a, a better net. They don't want this big, big, big net. They, they're looking at different areas. There people are doing more analyzation of their data. Like, I, like you said, it's people are just being smarter about how they're spending their, uh, their budgets. Talk to me about, you know, a shining moment, a highlight, whether, whether it was a particular campaign you worked on, whether it was just your time there, uh, the the other company before it was you know acquired, just uh, thus far has been a kind of a highlight or a shining moment for you. Um, yeah, honestly, the first one that comes to mind is kind of what got me into my my role now. Um, there's certainly been campaigns that we're working on now that are exciting, but uh, the first one that came to mind was um, that B two B client I mentioned when I was in the agency. Um, worked with them. Like they came in, they were a small client. Like it was one of my first clients I managed. So of course, like they give the small ones to people like me that are newer at it. But then over the course of a few years, like grew, like in terms of like budget and, and, um, and channels, like tremendously, like it became one of our larger clients. And the biggest success was we shifted. It's kind of funny too. Like, cause I work for event tech now they, when the pandemic hit, they had like a huge, like event budget, like $2 million. 
and the CEO came to the main person I worked with, um, shout out Emily, um, and said, hey, can you use this on paid media, basically? And so they shifted from that that in-person budget that I was just not going to get used to. We, we spent a good amount of time pivoting to an ABM play where we were targeting different tiers and different regions. And that over the course of like a year, it produced a ton of pipeline. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but it certainly had a huge impact on just how, how the overall marketing team shifted. And, and Emily, who I worked with there, like has moved on to a different company now, but I know that she took that experience with her as well to the company she's at. And like, that was, that was huge for me just to have that. And I've been able to use that experience now and what we're doing in ABM, it's a different industry and different tactics a little bit, but um, to get, go really deep on something that has such a big impact. Um, again, that's kind of what AJ, you asked me earlier, like what motivates me, like being a part of that is super fun. And so um, a lot went into that, but that, that was like the first thing that came to mind when you asked. Andrew, so this is a fun one. It's kind of a staple question for us here at Marketing Stir. So I'm sure with your title and where you work, you get a lot of uh, emails and uh, junk messages on LinkedIn. So we're curious as to which one uh, gets a response from you and uh, more curious about which one really annoys you. <laughs> oh man, yeah, this... I'm sure this happens to everyone. Yeah, I do get I do get a lot. Uh, a lot of those. Um, I would say like on. Um, I mean, I I do. I think no one likes just getting pitch slapped. Uh, on LinkedIn, like you know, someone sends you an invite and like, oh, let me sell you my services now. And a lot of times, it's not even relevant to like what I'm doing. Like that's that's just the worst. Um, I I don't enjoy that. Um. I, I'm it's fine if there's relationship and like there's something that makes sense at a certain point, but I, I've yet to experience buying something through someone sending me a LinkedIn message. Um, I did get an interesting one though the other day. Um, someone sent, it, it wasn't a direct like pitch slap right away. It was, uh, I forget what the person's title was, but connected with them. And then this guy like followed up a few days later with like a voice message. Uh, maybe you guys have gotten that more than I have. I haven't gotten like a voice message on LinkedIn, but it was, it was personable. Like it, he responded to like something I'd posted about a few weeks ago. And, um, I think he is in sales, but I, I, I haven't responded to him, even though I like the message, uh, I still didn't respond to him because I don't think it's relevant to what I'm doing, but, um, just that personal touch and not being so cookie cutter, you know, I'm X, Y, Z, and I can do this for your company. Like that just does not get a response. Nice. No, I don't think I've gotten a random voice message, although my uh, realtor, who's also a friend, uh, does love sending holiday greetings and personalized stuff all the time. So that one is interesting. Pitch <laughs> slapped. Have you ever heard that term? I love that. Pitch slapped. It's like, that's great. It's like, you just been pitch slapped. And I love that. That's a, <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a new one, Andrew. I did not, I did not come up with that. I've just heard that. So I, that's I okay. I don't know who yeah. coined that, but. Whoever coined it, we're using it. We're using it now. I love it. Sorry, go ahead, AJ. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, last question for me. We'd love to get to know you on the personal side as well. So tell us a little bit about what you like to do outside of marketing. Like you said, you probably weren't born to do B2B marketing. Uh, so what are some of the hobbies and what, what do you like to do for fun? 
Yeah. So I ha I have two young kids. So I would, most of my life outside of work is uh, um, taken up by that. I have a, a little over a two and a half year old and then a six month old um, girl and a boy. So um, I, I definitely can be like that, that goofy dad. I love being outside with them. Um, it's December and it's still like in like the forties here. So we're able to be outside a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I love to go. Um, my wife and I love to go hiking and do things outdoors. Um, so living in Southern Indiana, um, there's a lot of beautiful like parks and things like that. So we do a lot of that. I grew up running, so I'm a distance runner, like to, I'm one of those people that does like running marathons. I know it's, um, I, I don't have that bumper sticker. I'm not that guy. Don't worry. I don't have that, <laughs> uh, telling everyone in the world I've done that, but I, I love to run, um, live by, right by some running trails. And then, um, I, I love, uh, I grew up in Minnesota, so I, I describe myself as unfortunate Minnesota sports fan because it's only been heartache my whole life. Uh, normally competitive teams, um, prediction. I don't, the Vikings have a good record. I don't think they'll do anything in the playoffs. So, um, that's, I, I do spend a lot of time, um, digesting Minnesota sports news. So that that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, I didn't. And I know personally, too, the uh, you know, the little kids, I have a five and a two and a half year old, the two and a half year old, my goodness, it's, he's a savage. It's uh, so that, that keeps you busy right there. But so yeah, we'll see because I'm a big Giants fan. And uh, we're recording this one when the Giants just got whooped on by the Eagles yesterday. But the Giants do play the Vikings. So we'll have to see how this turns out in a couple weeks, uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah. I'll be sure to hit you up and see, uh, you know, yeah, how they did and you know, talk some smack there. But um, so share us uh, one last thought, Andrew, something that's been on your mind that you want to share with the listeners, just a closing thought as we wrap here. Sure. I mean, I guess I, thanks again for having me on. I, I did kind of joke, I think with you, Vincent, I'm like, are you sure you wanted me to be on, on this podcast? You have so many amazing people. And I think um, that like leads into like, I think just start making yourself active in communities and posting on LinkedIn and things like that. I think I've gotten more opportunities um, because of that. And I'm still like very new at it and uh, inconsistent, but I think especially in like climate that marketers are in right now, like it's never a better time than today to like start just investing and making those connections and um, really just kind of finding like the, the type of, there's so many marketing communities out there and, and podcasts and things like that. And I think finding kind of your niche and making those connections is super important. So, and I, I've learned so much um, from talking to different marketers out there. And so, yeah, that's what I got for you. That's no, that's awesome. And, and, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, you're definitely worthy of this podcast. It's, we, we have a variety of different people on all aspects of marketing, all different industries that our, our listeners and, and, and frankly, AJ and I want to hear from, so, you know, just you being, uh, you know, I think in, in the in the trenches there, right? Where that's how I would describe it. Just you know, executing marketing and planning and all of that, and and overseeing those budgets. I think that people wanted to hear about that, so we do appreciate it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. That's Andrew Harder, Senior Paid Media Manager, WebEx Events at Cisco. That's AJ Gupta. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. This has been another episode of the Marketing Stir. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.